So right now, ladies and gentlemen, it is star time. And we would like to bring to you the stars of our show. The fabulous, the insurmountable, the incomparable, the mighty, mighty... Sheets Movement Family. Family. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give them a great round of applause. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at 804 RVA. I've got a very special guest with me. Candidate for Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax is in the building. Justin, how's it going? It's going very well, Mark. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for coming on. This is the first time we're meeting. It so, is. It is. Um, although, although I have met a lot of people who know you and, and sing your praises. Again, so. we're, the reputation <laughs> could be Precedes you. We don't know about this. In a very good way. But so. what, we're, what we are going to do, one of the things that yeah. stands out to us is, obviously, we're the same age. We're Absolutely. We're three years old. African-American. Yes. Yep. African-Americans. Yes. You grew up in... And so I was born in Pittsburgh, but I actually grew up in Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, Mom moved us there when I was about six years old. Okay. And then you kind of settled. Now you're running out of Northern Virginia. Absolutely. But I live in Northern Virginia with my wife, uh, Dr. Serena Fairfax, and we have two young kids. We have a seven-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. Uh, and actually, we have uh, some connections here to Richmond. My wife went to the VCU School of Dentistry oh, very nice. uh, right here in Richmond. So she uh, has her own dental practice now in Fairfax, uh, where we live. But uh, nice. she lived here uh, in Richmond for some years. We actually still have a house here in the Randolph neighborhood uh, okay. in Richmond. So we really love Richmond and have seen it grow and, and prosper. So the first thing I've already learned is that you've married up. <laughs> way up. Yeah, no, way, way up. And she, she's a Virginia native. She was born in Arlington, raised in Prince William County, uh, went to Woodbridge High School and uh, we actually met in college at Duke University uh, and met. Actually, I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm actually a Duke, Duke basketball fan. Oh, there you go. Well, you're, you're a very good man for, for doing that. Uh, I know there aren't a ton of them, but uh, but yeah, no, we, we, we are big Blue Devils. And uh, and yeah, that's what we met in college and started dating and, and ever, everything else is history. since. So, so let's go forward before we go back, because we will go back. We'll, yeah, of course. We'll, we'll of course. ask you some uh, some things about your background and, and, and why. But let's let's talk about yeah. right now. Yep. A uh, couple days? How many days of the election? Do you count uh, the hours at this point? <laughs> we're getting down to the hours, and okay. you've been through this before. We're, we're about nine days away, uh, depending upon how you count, eight or nine days. So November the 7th uh, is the election, of course, on Tuesday. And uh, we encourage everyone to go out and vote. It's going to be a critical election uh, that really the world is watching. And so, uh, you know, we had a lot of folks coming to town. We were here with President Obama uh, about a week and a half ago right. uh, in Richmond. That was a great event. About 7,500 folks came out. And uh, the president's very engaged. Uh, Vice President Biden was with us in Northern Virginia before that. And actually today, we were all around Richmond with uh, Attorney General Eric Holder uh, and uh, Senator Kamala Harris. So, right, out of California. Out of California. Big star. Big star. She's a big star. She's wonderful. She's a big star. And uh, she's a Howard University graduate. I uh, do. So I did know that. Okay. And uh, and, and is, was Attorney General out in California and yep. just got elected to the Senate. So uh, it was great. We, we actually had lunch today at Mama Jay's. Uh, there so you there go. with Senator Harris and uh, Attorney General Mark Herring uh, and and a lot of other great folks. So 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 let me ask you this because this is the uh, yeah. the important thing. You're running for lieutenant governor. Yes. We've already established that we're the same age. Right. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. In my life right now. Right. Running for statewide office right. and running for lieutenant governor. So let me ask you, yeah. why are you doing it? <laughs> well, why do you want to be lieutenant governor? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I appreciate that question. And, you know, it really goes back to, I mean, in many ways, my personal story. Uh, you know, I've been blessed to have so many opportunities in life and people uh, who did some amazing things for me uh, to make those opportunities possible. As I mentioned, uh, my mom, I was raised by two great parents, loved them both very dearly, but uh, they got divorced when I was about six. And what that meant was that my mom had to find a place to start over with her four children. Uh, I was the youngest of those four. And uh, fortunately for us, that place was with my late maternal grandparents, mm-hmm. uh, two of the best people I've ever known. Grandfather was a Howard University graduate. Uh, he was a World War II veteran, and he worked at the Postal Service for 45 years. Uh, my grandmother, also a Howard University graduate, uh, she was a nurse at Freedman's Hospital, worked there for over 40 years. And uh, when my mom came to their door saying she needed a place to start over, they took all five of us into their home. Uh, and that changed the entire trajectory of our lives. My mom was able to save up enough money. Uh, she worked as a pharmacist, mm-hmm. uh, People's Drug, now CVS Pharmacy. Uh, was able to buy the house right across the street uh, from my grandparents. She still lives there almost 40, uh, sorry, almost 30 years later. Oh, well. Uh, and that's where she raised all four of us. And with the help of so many people, uh, and probably she sent all four of her children to college and two of us to law school. 
Uh, so my oldest brother is the other lawyer. Uh, he is the vice dean at GW Law School. He went to Harvard undergrad, Harvard for Law School. Uh, I have a sister, uh, true story, her name is Virginia. Uh, nice. so, so she nice. grew up Virginia Fairfax, got teased a lot. Uh, she now lives in, she, she lives in Maryland, by the way. So okay. <laughs> she had had, no, she, she, she had she, enough. She, she should get teased <laughs> that as well. She at least <laughs> live there, there you go, there you go. And, uh, I have a brother, Chris, who went to Syracuse. He's an engineer in the defense industry. And I, of course, was pulling up the rear and I went to Duke undergrad at Columbia for law school and was a federal prosecutor and now I'm in private practice and and I share that story because that really is the foundation of my passion for public service it's why uh, I have decided to, to run for office is to give people the same shot in life that I got uh, no matter where they start uh, you know what their last name is who they love uh, color of their skin what zip code they live in how much money their family has or doesn't have and uh, what I believe is that what people did to make our story possible is they gave us something I like to call spiritual wealth uh, and we didn't have a lot of money, but we had faith and hope and optimism and a high quality education and folks who said no matter how dark today may seem, uh, tomorrow can be brighter. And what I genuinely believe in life is that uh, when people give you that kind of spiritual wealth, uh, you then have a spiritual debt that you must repay. And you have to go out and fight and make that story possible for more people. Uh, so that's why I've committed you know, my life to public service. That's why we're running now for lieutenant governor, highlighting those issues. And I'm sure we'll get into more of them. But uh, giving people economic security and opportunity, getting higher pay paying jobs, going to college uh, without taking on crushing student loan debt, getting access to uh, high quality, affordable health care. Uh, access to capital to start and grow a small business. My wife, as I mentioned, went to the VCU School of Dentistry right sure. here in Richmond. Uh, we now own a family dental practice that we bought 10 years ago. Uh, I'm blessed with that opportunity to be small business owners. And we just want everybody to get that same shot in life that we got. And so that's why uh, we're running. That's why we started. Uh, we were fortunate in the primary to have won uh, the most votes in the history of a lieutenant governor primary. We got over a quarter million votes, uh, won a three-way race by 10 percentage points. And uh, now we're uh, nine days away from the November 7th election, and, and hopefully the voters will respond. So it sounds amazing. Yeah. And like I said, nine days out, <laughs> yeah. you should sound amazing. You should be ready. Right. But you can pay honestly, and I know yeah. that this is a choice that everybody has to make. Right. You can pay that spiritual debt right. in a number of ways. Right. Lieutenant Governor <laughs> yeah, yeah. is not one that you think about yeah. when you think about a lot of the things that you just mentioned. I mean, like I said, yeah. I, I know uh, I have intimate knowledge of the Lieutenant Governor's <laughs> right, office. Right, right. And the Lieutenant Governor's office is really two things. It's one, it's you preside over the Senate, Senate during the General right. Assembly. Absolutely. And then two, it's whatever the heck you make it. Right. Right. How so so I understand the background and I, right. I appreciate it and I think it's really good. Right. How are you going to use how are you going to use your skills right your ability eventually as lieutenant governor what does a fairfax lieutenant governor term look like absolutely no it's a great question and i know you have a lot of experience a little bit don't uh don't sell yourself yeah, short don't no, sell no, yourself no, no, short no, no. don't and, blow up my spot is what i'm trying to say that's what i'm trying to get well, there you spot. go right? <laughs> and and of course you you worked for and we have had some great lieutenant governors uh lieutenant governor tim kane uh, obviously comes to mind uh lieutenant governor chuck robb uh, there have been uh, Lieutenant Governor Don Beyer uh, and Lieutenant Governor Doug Wilder uh, mm -hmm. going back, obviously, to 1985. So, uh, you know, you've had uh, some great folks in that office. And then when you talk about a, a Justin Fairfax Lieutenant Governorship, if I'm fortunate enough to uh, be entrusted with the voters with that position, uh, is obviously carrying out, as you mentioned, the constitutional responsibility of presiding over the Senate. And we have a very closely divided Senate right now, as mm -hmm. you know, uh, Absolutely. 21 Republicans, 19 Democrats. And so some of these key issues, uh, we believe, you know, have a good chance of coming up uh, four tie breaking votes and so whether you're talking about you know expanding uh, Medicaid uh, covering 400,000 more Virginians uh, that's one that could possibly come up for a tie breaking vote I obviously would break that in the side of expansion uh, and of progress uh, issues around redistricting uh, in Virginia this is a critical election we talk about this being a 14-year election because we're electing our statewide leadership for the next four years, mm -hmm. but because of the census in 2020 and redrawing the maps in 2021, we're going to live with what happens in nine days of the ballot box in Virginia for the next 14 years. Mm -hmm. uh, because we're going to redraw those maps to the state and federal. Talk, talk to me about that, too, because yeah. I think everyone that looks at a Virginia map, right. whether it's congressional delegation, definitely the general right. assembly, realize we have a problem. Absolutely. And realize we probably should have some type of uh, bipartisan or not, right. you know, non-political. Absolutely. And there's organizations that do that. Right. We haven't been able to get it done. Right. Uh, it's probably, in my mind, it's probably going to take some type of court injunction to make us redo the gerrymandering that is Virginia. Right. How, how do you approach things like that? Like when you look yeah. at the Virginia map, 
Right. And you realize, look at the makeup of the General Assembly and realize it's just not competitive in a right. lot of areas. Right. What, what can be done to, to fix problems like that? Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned and there are a few different avenues, and, and of course, the courts, you know, have stepped in uh, when you know that was required. We just saw it recently, uh, and, and in the case of Congressman Bobby Scott's district, right, they took the seventh and the third, go <laughs> figure, right, exactly, okay. and, uh, and and so, and, and of course, Congressman Donald McEachin now sure. uh, was elected after the courts uh, redrew those maps, and so they're, you know, the, the courts have shown that they are willing to step in uh, when legislatures will will not act, but uh, I believe we have a chance to through our legislature, make progress. This year uh, is going to be such an important election also because all 100 members of the House of Delegates uh, are up for election. And so not only will the statewides have an impact on this, but we may see um, a shifting, a remake uh, of the composition of the House of Delegates. I mean, there's a very good chance uh, that Democrats and, and, and others who support uh, this kind of nonpartisan redistricting, you know, may pick up you know, a significant number of seats. And uh, I think these elections, whether or not the majority, uh, you know, it's, it's possible we can retake the majority in the House. And I think that's what we're fighting to do. Uh, but um, you can't see my eyes on the podcast. <laughs> it's possible. But I'm telling you now, uh, yeah. my eyes are a little bit like, yeah, like, come on. Well, look, come well on, here's Johnson. the thing. Well, look, I, you know, I'm a lawyer. So somebody checked my math right, for me. Right, but we got 34 Democrats and, and there are 17 seats currently held by Republicans um, that were won by Secretary Clinton and Tim Kaine last year. Uh, so again, theoretically, were you to add seven, those 17 seats that were already won by Democrats um, and add those to the 34, you're at 51. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and we've seen tremendous enthusiasm and energy. Uh, as I mentioned, in the primary, uh, there were 360,000 Republicans who voted, but there were 540,000 Democrats who voted. I mean, an unprecedented enthusiasm gap. 180,000 more Democrats came out to vote. Uh, and I think these elections are really beginning to send signals uh, about what you know the electorate cares about, what they want. Uh, obviously, there are significant problems with uh, the Trump administration. I think even in the first 10 months, it's really been a disaster. Uh, we, on tomorrow, uh, are expecting there to be an indictment uh, to but, be unsealed. And yep. so we'll see who the subject of that indictment is. And I used to be a federal prosecutor, as you know, and I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia in Alexandria. Uh, and so this is, of course, very serious business. And the fact that we're now only, you know, nine months into an administration and you're already seeing indictments. Uh, and we had eight years of the Obama administration, which was scandal free. Uh, it shows that this country's going in a different direction. Virginia gets a chance to register how it feels about that. And that is to include all these other issues. And I think gerrymandering um, has been a large problem uh, in corroding our politics. Uh, it's part of why we have sure. the gridlock in Congress sure. uh, and in the General Assembly in some respects. So uh, this is something that foundationally we need to solve. I think voters are making their voices heard and saying, uh, you know, if you're not going to be responsive to our needs, if you're going to continue to you know, play games and, and try to have the you know, legislators choose their voters and not the other way around, we're going to send signals. Uh, and as my friend Ralph Northam says, you know, if we can't change their minds, we have to change their seats. And I think we're now at a place where uh, that is becoming the dominant message. So let me let me ask in the sense of you mentioned uh, historically some right. uh, previous lieutenant governors. Right. You finished with Lieutenant Governor Doug Walder. Yes. Who is obviously, uh, yeah. you know, almost a legendary figure. Great, here great leader. In yeah. regards to what he Hero was able mind. to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you will be, if elected, you right. will be only the second African-American lieutenant governor in the history of. Right. Since Reconstruction, I guess. since, since Right. And then in the history. Right. Right. You are also, let's just be frank, you yeah. are the diversity on the ticket. It's right. two white males, mm -hmm. and, and your opponent happens to be the diversity on their ticket. We won't talk about it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. it's not two white males, you know, on right. that side. Right. How do you embrace being an African American, right. um, 38 years old, right. running statewide? Right. How do you embrace that for all of Virginia, one, but also right. in particular? Like I said, we have a lot of similarities in age, in age right. especially in, in background. I've got a three-year-old son as well. Wonderful. How yeah. do you embrace being the African-American on this ticket? How do you – is there a way that you right. cater your message, or is it not in regards to talking to communities of color? 
Yeah, no, so a couple of things, and it's a great question. I mean, one is, you know, we have the same message for everyone, uh, which is that we want everyone to have the chance to rise, to achieve the American dream, and it's no matter where they start, the color of their skin, who they love, zip code they live in. Uh, and that's the message that we've taken all around Virginia, 50,000 miles in the car over the last year and a half. We've been to every corner of the Commonwealth, Southwest, Southside, Hampton Roads, uh, Richmond, Central Virginia, the Valley, and throughout Northern Virginia. And that message has really resonated. And I think that's why we got, again, a record number of votes in that primary. Over a quarter million Virginians uh, came out and voted for us in that lieutenant governor primary. Uh, and so we have had the same message for everybody. And that message also includes uh, this notion, which I believe in, which is that diversity is so important uh, to progress in achieving excellence uh, and our best results and our best commonwealth. I've always been uh, a champion for diversity. I actually, uh, when I got out of law school at Columbia, I clerked for a federal judge named uh, Judge Gerald Bruce Lee, uh, who was the only African-American federal district court judge uh, in Alexandria on the United States District Court. He actually just retired uh, about three weeks ago, but he has been a great mentor of mine. He has been a leader in the law in terms of getting more diversity. Uh, among law clerks and judges, and, and we sort of took that baton, and, and I helped uh, start an organization called the Virginia Coalition for Racial Diversity in the Justice System. Uh, and this is a volunteer group of attorneys from the African-American bar, the Hispanic bar, the Asian-American bar, and, and others uh, who came together. We saw that there was a, a severe lack of representation uh, of minorities uh, on the bench in Commonwealth Attorney's offices and in public defender's offices, and we decided to do something about it. Uh, and so we raised that issue. We lobbied the General Assembly. We uh, went to the media. And I'm proud to say that in a you know, short span of time of our being active on that issue, uh, we made some serious progress. The first African-American woman ever uh, appointed to the Prince William County General District Court uh, during uh, our work. Uh, we had an African-American prosecutor hired in Fairfax, an Asian-American prosecutor uh, hired in Arlington. And so what my message has been to everyone is that we are better uh, when our diversity uh, is built in uh, to what our plans are as a commonwealth and when we reach talent pools everywhere. Uh, talent exists everywhere. It's a question of whether or not we're tapping it uh, and nurturing it and bringing it along. And so, you know, I, I, I'm proud, uh, you know, that we have a diverse ticket. Uh, we, you know, in my life, I've had such great role models. I mean, you look at Doug Wilder, you know, he's the first African-American ever elected to statewide office. And in Virginia, and the first governor, of course, African-American governor, uh, elected in the history of the United States. And uh, he, of course, became a lieutenant governor in 1985 and governor in 1989. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a powerful moment uh, for a lot of people uh, and a signal change in what's possible. Uh, and he did a great job, by the way, uh, as governor, uh, you know, dealing with the budget and, and, and making sure the economy was, was strong and growing and providing more people more opportunity. Uh, and of and, course, and let's not forget my favorite thing. He pardoned Alan Iverson. And I, <laughs> well, well, I got to so tell you what, that, uh, there you go. For, for, and I, and I, I think that's true. Generally, when I look for, back at the yeah. Wilder years, <laughs> with all was, due respect, yeah. getting AI out, <laughs> which so that, was literally a tragedy. That it, yeah. I'm not going to go there. But no, I'm saying, I, well, it no, was I mean, helpful for me. Well, no, me. well, it's interesting you say that because that that you know, of course, Alan Iverson went on to have a you know phenomenal career, right, and Hall of Famer, and you know, it actually raises. A point. I just want to say one, one thing to button that up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Virginia no, no. Is, a, is a great place, right? A great commonwealth. We have a, a rich history, obviously not, you know, without, you know, a number of flaws and warts, which we know. Uh, but it also... You mean, you know, when you say warts, you mean racism? I mean, slavery, <laughs> slavery, racism, <laughs> right? White I mean, no, all of it. I, I mean, let, let, let's be, let's be clear. Let, let's be clear. But, but what's, what's, what, what's incredible about the arc of that story of the commonwealth is that in the place... Uh, where, you know, you had slavery begin in, in the Western, you know, hemisphere, you know, in North America and uh, where we are. Um, you also, again, elected the first African-American to be governor uh, in the United States of America. So those two things happened in the same place. Uh, we, in 2008, uh, in Virginia, elected an African-American in Virginia uh, for president. In fact, we didn't do, just do it once. We did it twice mm -hmm. uh, in 2008 and in 2012. And he was the first Democrat to have won Virginia since 1964. And so we always have uh, these, these strands and, and, and this really this battle, this internal struggle about whether or not we're gonna appeal to the better angels of our nature, whether or not we're gonna go uh, toward a more positive you know, politics, or if we're gonna go backwards and down the gutter. And uh, you mentioned you know, my opponent, and she has fully embraced you know, this Donald Trump you know, type politics. In fact, just yesterday, I spoke to the Virginia State NAACP uh, convention uh, right nearby here uh, in Richmond, 
And while I was while I was speaking to the convention, she opted to skip it and decided to campaign with Corey Stewart mm-hmm. uh, and was at his was a special guest at his fall festival. And Corey Stewart, of course, made the Confederacy and the Confederate flag the centerpiece of sure. his divisive, you know, and hate filled campaign for governor this year. So we always are in that struggle. And so you have my opponent and that ticket. Uh, going down the road uh, of bringing us backwards uh, and dividing us, and our message has been a hopeful, positive one of uniting us. We're gonna take a, we're gonna take our first break, but before sure. we do, on the on a, on a quick note, yeah. because I do, I'm fascinated by Wilder, and I've got yeah. a ton <laughs> oh, yeah. of Great man. Governor Wilder stories. Yeah, yeah. But have y'all like? Do you talk to Governor Wilder uh, uh, as you kind of fo- kind of follow to do what he's already done? What yeah. are those conversations like? Yeah, you know, I, I've spoken to Governor Wilder a number of times uh, over the years. And as you know, I ran for office for the first time four years ago. Uh, so I ran for attorney general. Uh, mm-hmm. It was my first time ever running for office. And uh, we had a, a great primary. We won over 48% of the statewide vote in that primary, lost by less than two votes per precinct statewide. And we also were endorsed by the Washington Post four years ago, which, by the way, we just got endorsed by the Washington Last Post. Last week, right? This uh, a couple just, days ago. Just, just a day or two, ago. Just day or two ago. So yep. uh, we got endorsed. whole ticket got endorsed uh, by the Washington Post. We also got endorsed by the Daily uh, Press. And so... Uh, and so I've talked to, you know, Governor Wilder, uh, you know, gotten his uh, advice, and, and he is not shy about sharing his opinions. He's, not a, at all. he's a brilliant man. You know him. And, and, and it's, it's very, very important to talk with him. What's someone. the first question? We'll cut to a break. <laughs> what's the, you, know, you don't even have to tell me the answer, but what's the first question when you get on the phone and it's Governor Wilder? What's the first question you ask him since you're embarking on this? Uh, you know, I, you mean la- last time like when we first began to talk four years ago or, or just, just as a general matter? Yeah, like I would say, uh, yeah, let's let's go back to the beginning. When Like the like the first time, cause I don't know how well you know him. You might know him a little bit. What, well, no, but when, I, yeah, like, I, what's the first one that's like, yo, I think I'm about to do this? <laughs> what, what, what wisdom can you... You, you give me what, what, what do you ask him yeah I, you know it's certainly going back and and, and I did not have the uh, good fortune of knowing uh, the governor you know sort of as I came up uh, but but did know what we knew many of the same people in common mm-hmm. uh, and so you know I reached out to him and, and obviously wanted to sit down and get his advice I mean he is a unique figure uh, in American <laughs> history as you know and so you know and he he's brilliant and he has his own views about things but yeah I really did want to get a sense of you know what, here's what I you know would love to do. Here's wh- how I hope to serve. Here's what I think I could bring to the Commonwealth. Um, you know, what do you think about that? And also, you know, what are your thoughts about you know how to run successfully? Uh, and if you're fortunate enough to win, how do you govern effectively? Uh, how do you serve people? Because he was big on that. Uh, he's obviously was a great campaigner, a tireless campaigner, but he was someone who wanted to do a great job in office and who wanted to be effective. And, and so that was something that was, you know, a subject of, you know, a number of our conversations. And uh, he's always given me great advice. All right. We're going to take a break. You were listening to the candidate for Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. We will be back. We're going to ask him a little bit more about his platform and then we're going to have a little bit of fun. Everyone enjoying this special edition of Top Billing, hosted by Yours Truly Cheats, and featuring candidate for Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. If you like this podcast, please follow the Cheats Movement on iTunes, SoundCloud, and even Stitcher. And while you're at it, jump over to thecheatsmovement.com. It's there where you'll get information on new podcasts, new posts, and new product releases, like the one being released on November 1st, a collaboration between the Cheats Movement and celebrated artist Noah Scalin. Your support is critical. And now, back to the interview with candidate for Lieutenant Governor, Justin Fairfax. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with candidate for Lieutenant Governor, Justin Fairfax. The election is about nine days away, so he's in full get-out-the-vote mode. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's really an important question, and I do want right. to um, bring up, I also have, I, I asked some of my uh, my friends, some of my activist yeah. friends yeah. on Social, on the social medias, um, <laughs> what, what are some questions to ask you? And yeah. I do want to ask those, but one of the first questions yeah. that was particularly important is, this. And let me preference this with this, right. because you're in it. You've been running right. for a long time now. Right. This is this is the central point yeah. of everything that you're doing outside right. of your family, I understand. Right. right. But there are people that literally told me they didn't know an election was happening until President Obama came in town last <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, no, no, that, right, right. We always hear yeah. about the challenge of get out the vote right. awareness, whether it's right. if the if Republicans lose, it's 
they, the Democrats have this great message. Democrats lose, and I've heard it. Right. They were like, oh, the Republicans are just so clear and cl- concise with their <laughs> message. And it's the same thing for who anybody that right. falls short in the stick. Right. But what specifically are is your campaign doing right. to make sure that there's an election, make sure that people right. know who you are? What is the, the actual get-out-the-vote plan for nine days from now? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and fortunately, as you mentioned, people are uh, beginning to really tune in. Uh, in a significant way, as you mentioned, we were here with the president, uh, President Obama, and had a huge rally. About 7,500 people uh, showed up, uh, and I think that was, you know, a big boost in terms of awareness about uh, the election. Uh, and and what we're doing is, you know, there's a coordinated campaign, uh, obviously between the three statewide uh, candidates, myself, Ralph Northam for governor, uh, Mark Herring for attorney general, and of course our House of Delegate candidates and our local constitutional officers. So. Uh, we have, you know, hundreds of organizers spread out all across uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, you know, working with thousands of volunteers and they're you know, knocking a tremendous uh, number of doors. I think over 200,000 uh, just last weekend and making significant numbers of phone calls in the tens of thousands to reach people again to let them know uh, that there is an election, that there is a big difference uh, between uh, the candidates and the uh, tickets and that we really do need people to be engaged. And to your point, in the presidential years, we have significant turnout. Uh, in 2008, it was you know nearly 75 percent, uh, which was you know record uh, four years of President Obama's first election uh, in 2012. Uh, it was still about 71, 72 percent, pretty high. Uh, the very next year in 2013, it went down to 43 percent. Right, there's a big drop off. A big about 30 yeah, percentage yeah. point drop off, and that's significant. And then two years later, in 2015, in the off-off year election, it dropped down to 29 percent. Right. Uh, and in fact, in the primary that I mentioned from 2013 that we ran in, uh, where we got a little over 48 percent of the vote, uh, the turnout statewide in that primary election was three percent. So 97 percent of people stayed home. Right. Uh, in the primary uh, four years ago. The good news is this go around, people were way more engaged and uh, we had closer to 10% turnout uh, in the primary, uh, which is obviously you know, about three times better sure. uh, than it was four years ago. We had record number of voters. Um, you know, as I mentioned, 540,000 uh, Democrats who voted. The, pre- the previous high watermark for Democrats in a primary, a gubernatorial primary was 319,000. So we went from 319,000 uh-huh. back in 2009 to 540,000 in 2017. Uh, and so I believe people are engaged in a way that we have not seen in a very long time. Uh, it's a you know product of many things, including, again, the it Trump It probably has to do with the president. Let's be frank. Yeah, like, oh, this is, big, their, this is the it. first firewall, the first election that right. would be considered a, a referendum on the Trump administration. No, that's right. And that's right. one of the things that I kind of, I, I really do applaud, you'd mentioned the whole coordinated and the ticket. One of the right. things that infuriates me to no end is right. when somebody's campaign is just based on I'm better than this guy right. or this. So you can't right. just vote against something. You have to vote yeah. for someone. Absolutely. And I so agree with you. And so one of the things that I have seen on, on, on all sides of right. this matter is that people are at least running on agendas. Right. Now, some of the campaign ads have gotten negative and they're ridiculous. Right. And right. but and I understand why you, I understand the whole spectrum of that. Right. But I I appreciate campaigns that are running for issues. Right. Uh, even in this climate that we're in, where a lot of people are just motivated to run against the administration. Right. Uh, but it's important that, and you mentioned, and I, and I do want to ask this, because you mentioned about the coordinated effort. You mentioned right. um, the candidate for governor, Ralph Northam. Right. Attorney General Mark Herring. Right. And yourself as kind of a coordinated effort. Right. How do you, because it, it's interesting, because Virginia is a coordinated effort, but it's not a ticket. Right. In other states, right. you, you vote, vote for a governor separately. and LG together. That's right. In some states, and this is completely separate. So you could have a Republican governor, a Democratic Hopefully lieutenant not. governor, yeah, you know I what I mean? You could it. have but, these but things. Right, but right. So yeah. how do you run uh, with a ticket, but also differentiate yourself from a ticket of that nature? Like, how do you single yourself out and say people should vote for Justin Fairfax? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I, I think that each of the offices, uh, you know, has a different profile in terms of what they uh, you know, bring to the table. Obviously, governor, you know, tremendously important. I think they're all very important. Uh, but lieutenant governor, uh, as you mentioned, we talked about the responsibilities as you preside over the Senate. Uh, and you have a stark choice uh, as to who that person would be presiding over the Senate, breaking those ties and either in favor of progress uh, and more opportunity for all or taking us backwards and constricting uh, opportunities. So I think we make it very clear what the choice is in each individual election. Uh, we've had two debates 
uh, myself and, and our opponent. And in fact, we had one most recently at the University of Richmond School of Law uh, where we get to lay out uh, what those differences are on policy grounds. And, you know, and I just, you know, quick rundown. I'm mm-hmm. for Medicaid expansion. She's against it. So she's blocking 400,000 people from getting health insurance. I'm for raising the minimum wage. We're at 725 an hour. Uh, we're $1.50 less than West Virginia. Uh, we believe that should be phased in over time to $15 an hour. Uh, she has voted against any increase in the minimum wage. Um, you know, I am, you know, for making sure that we are getting people into these middle skill jobs. Jobs require more than a four-year high school diploma, less than a four-year college degree. They pay on average between thirty and fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, there are one hundred seventy-five thousand of those jobs open uh, today in Virginia. We have to get people trained and certified uh, through our community college system and apprenticeship programs, and we've made that a centerpiece of our campaign. Uh, we haven't heard uh, anything about that, uh, you know, from uh, our opponent uh, and you know, criminal justice reform. Uh, I think this is such a key and critical issue. I'm a former federal prosecutor. I was in the Major Crimes Narcotics Unit at the U.S. Attorney's Office. I know what it means to keep our community safe. Um, but, you know, we have to be smart on crime and not just tough on crime. And How do, how do we do that? That's it. One, that's our, one of our first Facebook questions yeah. uh, was about criminal justice reform. Oh, so great. go ahead and elaborate a little bit yeah. on criminal justice reform in general yes. and also what we're facing with um, opioids. If, Absolutely. If one thing... Lord have mercy. I, I can't even, I'm not even going to say it, but yeah. if there's one thing that the administration right. has done, I can't say that they've done it hundred percent correctly. Yeah, right. But one thing is they have pinpointed, uh, well, they've decided after 33,000 people died last year or <laughs> right, something like right. that, Tragic, um, yeah. that opioids is a problem. Criminal justice reform is something that has plagued in particularly, right. uh, marginalized communities for an extremely long time. Um, what, what, what would, your ideals for criminal justice reform look like. Absolutely. And let me, uh, uh, this is something that we've made a centerpiece of our campaign. Um, we believe that, again, you, you have to be not only, uh, you know, you have to be smart on crime and not just tough on crime. And, and something uh, that we've specifically focused on is what's known as the school to prison pipeline, uh, which uh, Virginia is number one in the nation. Mm-hmm in that school to prison pipeline, meaning we refer young people to the criminal justice system for school-based infractions at a higher rate than any other state in the United States of America and the District of Columbia, and it's not even close. The national average is six referrals per 1,000 students. Virginia is at 16 referrals per 1,000 students. We're nearly three times the national average. Uh, and I tell people as we've gone around, and you know, sometimes you'll hear folks say, well, you know, we're just holding these kids accountable, they're you know, misbehaving, and, and that's just the result of it. I say to believe that it's okay to be where we are uh, in those rankings, you would have to believe that our children are less well-behaved than kids in 49 other states and the District of Columbia. Mm-hmm. And I have not met a single person in Virginia who believes that. Uh, what, what is worse, uh, you know, are our policies, the culture around, uh, you know, punishment of kids. You know, nearly half of these referrals are for, you know, some uh, you know, disorderly conduct, uh, things that in many cases 20 years ago might have gotten you sent to the principal's office or, you know, in my case, heaven forbid, you know, send me to the principal before you send me to my mom, right? right. Because that would have been way worse. But, yeah. um, you know, that, are, that could have been taken care of in other ways. Uh, now, oftentimes, the first immediate impulse uh, say, let's get this kid in front of a school resource officer or a, you know, a prosecutor or a probation officer or a judge. And uh, once you get a kid into that system, uh, it is hard very hard to extricate him from Absolutely. it. Uh, and so, you know, and there are, you know, as you mentioned, disproportionate impacts on various communities, communities of color, uh, African-American students, uh, also students with disabilities mm-hmm. are dramatically overrepresented in that school to prison pipeline. Uh, African-American youth are about 19% of the general population, but they're about 70% of the arrests um, leading to uh, incarceration. African-American adults are 20% of Virginia's population, but they are 60% of the state prison population. So over-representation by three and three and a half times respectively. Uh, So those are significant issues. You talk about uh, marijuana laws and policies. Uh, I believe that we should uh, decriminalize uh, marijuana. We see that about 2.7% 2.7% um, greater likelihood uh, that an African-American is arrested uh, for you know, marijuana usage, um, even though usage rates are the, uh, the same uh, across uh, different uh, racial demographics mm-hmm. and, and other uh, demographics. And so uh, we see inequities in the system. Uh, we also see us wasting and throwing away a lot of money. We spend $3 billion a year on our criminal justice system in Virginia. 
about half of that, a billion and a half solely on incarceration, costs us $27,000 a year to house an adult in our state prisons, and we spend upwards of $150,000 per year to house a juvenile. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet the three-year recidivism rate, uh, going back just a couple of years, uh, in Virginia for juveniles was north of 75%. Right. Uh, so you so put, putting them in there doesn't doesn't really teach them a lesson. That's exactly that's right. And you, and you and you burn one hundred fifty thousand dollars in the fireplace. Meanwhile, and by the way, that's a four year scholarship to any college and university Absolutely. in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah. And so does it make sense when we're you know underfunding public education, we're underfunding other resources, early childhood education, job opportunities, skills training. At the same time, we're underfunding those things uh, because we say, you know, we don't have the money. We always seem to find that one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Every time it's time to lock a kid up, sure. there's never a debate about finding that money. So we need to really reframe the way we look at criminal justice to get better outcomes, to get kids out of the system. And I actually took uh, the Washington Post into the Fairfax County Juvenile Detention Center during our primary to highlight this issue. Uh, and people told me, you shouldn't take this on, Justin. This you know, may not be an issue that will poll well or play well in different parts of the state. And what I said back then, even when the outcome of the primary was uncertain, was that I don't care how it polls, I don't care how it plays, because we need people who are willing to do the right thing, to stand up, uh, speak with moral clarity. And if we cannot you know, save our kids from this broken criminal justice system and adults, uh, then we're not doing our job. And, and I promise that that's what you know, I'm going to focus on to make sure we're doing. You mentioned overrepresentation by people with disabilities. Yes. One of the questions I had, shout out my girl Pam, Pam Mine. Hey, Pam. Um, <laughs> did, did want to talk specifically if you have um, a platform about special need communities. Um, yeah. You know, is there, what does that look like? How does your leadership look like for people with disabilities? Right. And not just physical disabilities, but intellectual disabilities. Absolutely. And that's one of the major things that we see, uh, again, in um uh, minority communities and communities right. of color in particular is that right. they don't really go to psychiatrists. Right, um, right. So there's a lot of mental health issues Absolutely. that never get addressed. That's right. How, how, what is, is there a better way for us to do that? And is there a better way under the Fairfax uh, administration, like uh, yeah. Fairfax for lieutenant governor, if you will? Yeah, w without question. And, and we definitely have to better serve our uh, populations and communities uh, dealing with disabilities, and you mentioned their disabilities of, of all kind, and and people who are other able. Uh, you know, these are you know really wonderful, incredible, courageous people um, who just like you know every other uh, issue in in our society, you know, need uh, the resources uh, to you know to live you know their best lives and to make sure that they are achieving. Uh, at the highest possible levels. And so we talked about already the criminal justice aspect of this, particularly with youth, uh, and we need to have a different framework. Uh, I think we should have more uh, behavioral health therapists in our schools, more people who are specifically trained uh, to deal with you know, students of every background, but particularly students you know, who are on the autism spectrum, who um, you know, their behaviors and actions are often misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and those are things that get them ensnared in this criminal justice system, this one size fits all a way of dealing with many children. Uh, but out, even outside of the criminal justice context, I think that you know, in the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, as you mentioned, uh, it's what you make it. There's so many uh, sure. other things yeah, that absolutely. you do. You sit on a whole bunch of boards and commissions, one of which is the Virginia Disability Commission. Okay. Uh, and so you can have a leadership role uh, where you're providing resources uh, within uh, communities that uh, have not had what they've needed uh, to deal with those sorts of issues. and. Mm -hmm. And also, this is where Medicaid expansion, uh, you know, it's, another, it's critical. Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, where absolutely. rubber meets the road. I mean, you know, people often frame it as a theoretical discussion, uh, but, but families, and I've talked to many families who, you know, many of them who need Medicaid, you know, waivers or who are on a waiting list uh, to get you know, treatment or services in their community, but who can't. Mm -hmm. um, if we were to expand Medicaid, again, we'd cover 400,000 working Virginians. Uh, we create 30,000 jobs, which also is very important as we try to grow our economy. But we give away about $6.6 .6 million every single day uh, that we do not expand Medicaid. And we're giving that away to neighboring states who have expanded Medicaid. And to date, since January of 2014, we've given away about $10.4 billion with a B uh, in federal dollars. And that is money that could go to treat people, to have mental health services be more available, uh, the various treatments that are needed therapeutically and otherwise. Uh, but, you know, we have folks like my opponent and the Republican ticket who are blocking this. And this is a very real issue. Let me ask you this. I'm gonna, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask one more question from yeah. the social medias or the interwebs. <laughs> and then, gotta, um, gotta address the interwebs. Then we'll take a really quick break, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get to know Justin Fairfax a little bit on a personal level. Great. Um, but I do want to ask this because it's so sure. crit critical, and we hear it every year in regards to specifically outreach to young people. Right. Um, 
if there is, for lack of a better term, <laughs> but if there is a criticism that I've heard just walking the streets, there's a street test. Right. Is that there's not a lot of talking to young people. Right. You're 38 years old. You're not. A, you're 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 say, a young I, person I, I, yourself. Some, in this some people game. say I'm young. Some people say I'm well past my prime. But I, <laughs> I am in. I am in the same. Thing. I that, that, but what specifically that are we doing? Uh, what explicitly is happening to outreach to young voters? Yeah. Well, you know, we certainly, you know, in our campaign for lieutenant governor, have made it a point from the very beginning uh, when the primary started that we were going to again, first of all, reach out to everyone, but but also make sure that young voters felt engaged because this really is about their future uh, and the kind of opportunities that they are going to have. This is the uh, first generation, uh, perhaps in American history, if you look at polling, or certainly recent American history, that does not believe that they're going to do as well as their parents. I mean, that that is fundamentally uh, at the heart of so much of the anxiety uh, that this next generation is feeling. And and, you know, I you know, know uh, about some of these challenges. I mean, my wife and I, when we graduated from our respective graduate schools, we each had six figures of student loan debt. Uh, that's a reality for this generation. Uh, how do you handle that? Uh, and you need an economy. You need jobs that allow you to not only you know, get out of those mountains of debt when you're just trying to better yourself and get an education and move your family forward. Uh, but, you know, there are you know, young people delaying buying homes, you know, starting families, uh, getting access to capital, start and grow small businesses because they're worried. Uh, and we really need to be addressing the issues that are impacting them day to day. And that's why we have, again, focused on these higher paying jobs, health care access uh, and something that we have highlighted from day one, um, allowing uh, young folks and, and others to refinance their high interest student loan debt. Uh, the average debt load in Virginia is $30,000 for a recent graduate at an average interest rate of 8%. Uh, it's talking almost credit card rates. Mm -hmm. uh, and nine other states uh, have created student loan refinancing authorities. There actually used to be one in Virginia 20 years ago. Uh, allow folks to get that 8% down to market rates, hopefully closer to 2.5-3%. Shave off a you know, couple few hundred bucks a month off that bill. And that makes a big difference uh, in what's possible uh, for a young person. So creating all these opportunities to really address the needs and concerns that they have in their day-to-day -day lives is something that we have focused on. I've also traveled uh, you know, on college campuses at our incredible HBCUs uh, here in Virginia, but also in all of our institutions. Uh, we've made our way all around the Commonwealth of Virginia to our colleges and universities, our community colleges, uh, to spread the word that our campaign is about their economic mobility, their future, really addressing the real needs and concerns that our young people have and that all Virginians have, uh, and doing it in a meaningful, meaningful substantive uh, policy-based way. And I even have gone to middle schools. They can't mm -hmm. vote, uh, <laughs> but their parents can. And uh, it highlights the fact that this truly is about, you know, the future of our young people. So we've tried to reach out. We have used social media, uh, I think, very effectively. If anyone wants to reach us, uh, we're on Twitter at, at FairfaxJustin uh, and at Fairfax4LG. Are you on the gram? How's your Instagram? Uh, <laughs> your Instagram we're, we're, we're doing it for the gram. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, my staff, who is much cooler than I am, they, they handle much of the Instagram uh, work. So, uh, so I, I mostly am on Twitter. And See, when you, know, you say that your staff is, that, that's the old side of the 38. No, there you go. That, 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 sure I, I know my, you know I, that. I know my limitations. Sure right? <laughs> okay. I, I knew to say do it for the like, gram because yeah, I've heard that yeah. a, a Lord, couple times. Mercy. But, <laughs> and All I right. got dad jokes too. So this you need what, those. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Uh, no, we're going to take one quick, last quick break and then we're going to uh, get to know Justin a little bit and then we're going to get you out there. I know uh, you've been very uh, gracious with your time. No, thank so I really you. appreciate you've it. You've been great. We'll take one quick break and we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are with Lieutenant Governor, candidate for Lieutenant Governor, maybe future Lieutenant Governor if everything works out well yeah, in a couple hopefully. days from Please now. Vote Justin, November 7th. Please. November 7th, Justin Fairfax. I will quickly say before we even go too much further, my, my wife's birthday yeah. is November 5th. Oh, wonderful. And so we were dating. We yeah. weren't engaged, but we were dating through the time that uh, uh, Tim Kaine was running for state. Right, right. And so, and in her the election that year i think happened to be on november 4th okay it was before, the day before. Wow. it was the day before her birthday that's great and i remember telling her i was like 
honey, I'm just going to let you know, <laughs> if this goes well, right. we're going to have an amazing birthday. Right, right. <laughs> if this doesn't go well, like we should celebrate beforehand because I'm not going to be case, right? <laughs> at all good. Well, worked out, worked yeah, out. Wonderful. It did work out. It worked out well. <laughs> That's great. But I was like, yeah, we're going to be no good <laughs> after Election Day in this climate that we're in i love it so yes november 7th is election day well uh happy birthday in advance yeah, to your yeah, wife. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, she's got another one coming uh, like, like you i, I yeah. mar- like you i married her way she up. went yeah. to yeah yeah she went to, howard, she went to uva undergrad and howard law school outstanding so she did Two much better schools. than me um <laughs> but but well let's let's finish this out with a couple of things yeah yeah of course we do uh here have an obligation yeah uh, we have an obligation to ask you about your playlist. <laughs> no doubt about so, it. So whether it's your workout playlist yeah. or your chill playlist, like what is the artists <laughs> that are constantly in the Fairfax rock? No doubt. Uh, so it's a couple things. Uh, you know, my, my sort of some of my all time favorites, of course, I, I have Jay-Z always playing some respect. You know, Hove. When, I, when I Hove, when I when I went to actually my freshman year uh, in college at Duke uh, was 1996, and that happened also be the year the Reasonable Doubt came out. Right, uh, right. And so I'm, I'm a Reasonable Doubt head, right? And so I still listen to that to this day. I also think the Black Album was phenomenal, um, and, you know, there's so many others along the way. So I, those, those get in heavy rotation. Also, Nas uh, is my guy, and so, you know, if you go take it all the way back. Uh, to Did you, well, let me ask you this, because yeah. this is important for yeah. all, Aquarium Minds want to know. Did you choose sides? <laughs> In Between the, the Nas, Biggie, Jay Z, and Nas, no, the, all three. No, the Nas, Who's the best Jay-Z, MC? The, Biggie, in particular, Jay-Z, Nas? the Nas and Jay Z beef. The uh, the, the, the ether. I, I remember that. Takeover. Yeah, takeover. Did you choose either. sides? Did you have a side that was like, I'm riding with Nas or I'm riding with Jay Z? You know, I, I I definitely chose the side of hip hop in that one. I I just appreciated the battle and interesting and very squirmy, very. And I you know what I appreciate I appreciated the fact too, and that was actually I think a maturing moment in hip hop because these guys had a serious battle, right? Two of the greatest MCs of all time. It didn't end in violence. Right. And, and, I, and I agree. And I, I grew following up the pop Pac and Biggie. And Biggie. I, that, I, you know, I, I came of age, right, in that kind of hip hop, and it got very raw, very real, and often, too often, right, uh, would end in violence, and that was the way people settled it. And it was kind of cool to go back to, you know, folks settling it. And I'm old, so you used to say settle it on wax, right? That's back when we had. You know albums, but you know they killing were killing me again right. with this old thing. <laughs> right, right. I'm now trying to work you through this, but <laughs> but, uh, but we're the but same age. But I, that, that was very cool. So, so yeah. But I, I, I would say, um, yeah. No, so Jay Z and Nas. I also love Mostep and Mostep and uh, Talib Kweli. Black Star. Black Star. There yeah. you go. One of my favorite albums of all time. Um, I love that uh, album. Whether you're talking about respiration or yeah. knowledge yourself. I mean, it's just such elevated. Uh, art form, uh, and they continue to do it, you know, to this day. Uh, you know, it's Yasin Bey now, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, no, but, the, but they're incredible artists. And then you got great ones now. And uh, I know, you know, the, the folks on my staff are a little younger than I am, and but they're really getting into some of these great artists, Chance the Rapper, and, uh, you know, Kendrick Lamar, I've heard some of his stuff. He's, Very impressive. Yeah, phenomenal. So, so yeah, those are, those are you know, kind of what's in my, and, but I should say this too. Um, I'm actually a big, you know, Hamilton the Musical. And this may put me outside the, the, um, the no, genre I'm familiar. slightly, I'm, but, no, no, uh, no, no, but I'm no. telling you, that's I'm, a heavy, that's a heavy rotation, including yeah. we adopted the theme song of our campaign since the primary okay. was My Shot. Okay. Right? So if you play that song, uh, I'm not throwing away my shot, right? It's, it's one of the, to me, one of the dopest songs uh, out there. I'm and, not mad at Lynn manuel uh, Hey, man, I'm, that brother Miranda. is brilliant. I'm yeah, not mad yeah. at Yeah, so anyway, so that, that, you, you will hear that often uh, in my playlist. Uh, I like it. Now, have you seen Hamilton? You know, I have not, unfortunately. And, and in fact, that's one of the things post-election uh, that I'm planning to do. Uh, they're taking take it now in other states. Yeah, it's not just in New York now. They're taking it in other places. Right. I think they're actually coming into, they're going to be in uh, the Kennedy Center in, in D.C. Okay. I know. I think they may hopefully, you know, come to Richmond as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard it's just an amazing show. I heard my, my brother and, and his family, is, they've seen it. And they said it was just kind of a, a life-changing experience really? when it came, comes to art form. Yeah, apparently it's amazing. Have you guys seen it? I have not. No, okay. no, no. We, uh, maybe that's a joint no, trip. No, no. Maybe, gotta, maybe, yeah, go, maybe we'll see, see it and then we we'll do a podcast that. from New York. Maybe, maybe well, that's what we'll, we do. Hey, we'll see. Um, 
with that said, really quickly, because yeah. we, we, we were in, I got another question. We'll wrap this up. No doubt. But let's go back to 94, 95. <laughs> you mentioned Big and Tupac. Did you have a preference? You're a D.C. guy. Yeah, yeah. So, we grew up in the city, yeah. You know, it was there. It was, it was, I'm sure D.C. was more on the East Coast side of things. Puffy, right. Puffy was coming yeah, no, Puff, to Puff, Howard all exactly, the time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Howard so, homecoming. So was this a, this was was a big house? Drumming. Was this right? a big house? Is that right? Is that? I, I, don't make, don't <laughs> you make know, me. You know, don't take me back. You know what? I like it. I like it. I like it, but it's, uh, I'm just saying. Uh, so was this a was, my blood. Was this sorry, a Biggie household over here? Uh, you know, I, I, we were Tupac probably, also had some Baltimore roots. He, no, he does. We, we were yeah. probably a house divided again. Just two okay. incredible uh, rappers and MCs, man. And just you know, you know what's amazing too. I just want to want to say this as well. When I go back and look, they were so young. Super young. I mean, when they, when yeah, they passed, Tupac, they were like 25? 24, 25. Yeah. I mean, can yeah. you imagine that having? sort of had that level of skill and talent at that age and, and accomplished all those things and, and obviously having lived life, right? I mean, there's yeah. so much that, you know, he went through and he, he will be the first to admit he was not an angel, there was good, there was bad, but, you know, he was living this experience that, that people identified with. Um, and Biggie uh, as well. I mean, these guys were in their 20s and, and so what it, what, it, what it reinforces to me though is that there, you know, there's brilliance in everyone, um, that there's talent everywhere. Um, and that we need to address, because you know we still have issues around uh, violence, right? Gun violence. I mean, there's mm -hmm. people who are losing, you know, their lives, particularly our you know, young men and young women, you know, far too early. I mean, they're they're being killed in their teens and their twenties, and I mean, it's never, you know, a time to be killed by gun violence. But it just reminds me that we have so much work to do. And it reminds me that the NRA is actually running ads against you. <laughs> that that like, they no, are. No, seriously, they're yeah. running ads That's, against that you. That they are. And is that because of your stance on kind of – I'm trying not to be biased, but I am biased. Yeah, no, what no. I say is like reasonable gun control measures. It, the things – and reasonable is exactly you know, the word I would use. And, and something that 90-plus percent of Americans support, 80-plus percent of gun owners, universal background checks. Uh, and yet they fight against that. Uh, you, know, you know, my opponent in the race, she touts the fact she's got an A-plus rating from the NRA. They, you know, poured in, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to attack, as you mentioned, to attack sure. me. Uh, you know, because we take reasonable uh, approaches to trying to stem the tide of gun violence and, and, and mass shootings and uh, all the killings that we see. 33,000 people a year killed by guns in this country. Uh, and even in the wake of Las Vegas, and this is interesting, uh, they were originally going to run those attack ads against me uh, on, I think, the day after Las Vegas. Uh, they postponed them for a week uh, once Las Vegas happened. And my view is, if you're embarrassed to run them after a tragedy like that, a mass shooting, you should be embarrassed to run them a week later, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's not a question of when you when you do right. it. It's a question of the, the principles underlying it. And so, you know, I had a debate, as I mentioned, with our opponent. And she said that, you know, she didn't believe there should be any restrictions on any gun and, in fact, and, or any access and in fact, if um, if we in any way, you know, uh, restricted, you know, the Second Amendment, then uh, we're violating the Constitution uh, as if we don't have all of our rights subject to reasonable restrictions that are in the safety and health and welfare of all of our citizens. And so you have a guy if you can shoot in upwards of 600 people in 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, through these bump stocks, uh, and sure. she wouldn't even say we should regulate those. I mean, it's outrageous. The NRA even at, at least made a head fake and said that it would consider it. Um, you know, she wouldn't even agree to that. She was to the right of the NRA. So it's, it's that kind of thing that we've got to deal with. It, it is, you know, a scourge in, uh, in so many uh, of our communities. And, 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 you know, I remember Governor Wilder, you mentioned, uh, he actually signed into law the One Gun a Month, one gun a month yeah. right, law. Uh, and it was a, really an anti-trafficking Measure uh, so that we don't become a you know huge exporter of guns up and down the East Coast. They called the Iron Pipeline, and you know I lived through it. Uh, you know from where I grew up and lost friends to gun violence, and I also have gotten to see it from the other end as a federal prosecutor. Uh, I don't want you know law enforcement to be outgunned you know by these folks who get access to these weapons and can shoot you know six thousand rounds in fifteen minutes. I mean, what kind of you know, crazy. world is that? Yeah, uh, that, that part is crazy. I yeah, understand. Yeah. We, we, we people, but we'll, yeah. Okay. Anyway, you, I can go yeah, on no, no, uh, for a long time for that. But we're, we're gonna fit a good. Yeah, yeah. That was, this is <laughs> our right. get to know Justin section. Way to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. I, well, you know, I grew this up on Go-Go. I'm just, you know, but let's be clear. Let me ask you this. Maybe some before, uh, before wings and sauce also. Uh, <laughs> also let me ask you this before we get you out of here. Yeah, you, can, no you can merge this together because yeah. I, I, I like to ask. 
three people you would want to have dinner with. Like, yeah. So, and they're all together. Right. So they're sitting, you're four of you at the table. Right. Who are the other three people at the table? And also, when you think about this, you can can kind of parlay some of your heroes in. They don't have to be the same, but you can say, oh, one of my heroes is this guy, and that's why right. I would want this woman at my table. Whoever. Right. Who would you like to have? Because I'm sure you've thought about this. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah. You, no, not <laughs> and, and, and you said li- and, and, and living or dead, right? Living that, or dead. Living, living or, or dead. dead. So um, I think that I'd you know, love to have dinner. It would be a fun dinner. First of all, Thurgood Marshall. Uh, is, is a hero of mine. Ball of laughs. <laughs> no. Sorry. Oh, yeah, 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 Forgive you know, me. I, I Forgive me. I heard Thurgood had a good time. <laughs> I heard Thurgood was a, was a great guy to be around. But, you know, he's a brilliant guy. Been through so much and, and really in so many ways, mm-hmm. along with Charles Hamilton in Houston. I mean, they help you know, re-engineer uh, so much of the foundation of opportunity in this country uh, by what they did in the courts and what they did you know, in civic life. And um, and so I would love to, you know, talk with him. Uh, always was, you know, a, a big, you know, fan of his. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if I probably everybody says President Barack Obama. I, I got to hang out with him about a week ago here. Uh, but you know, uh, he's uh, he's really an incredible person uh, and someone who you know I you know very much admire and, mm-hmm. and look up to. We talked about Governor Wilder, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that because Governor Wilder obviously you know would get the. Invite to the cookout. I like to the, think all the one on one. I think he's probably the most entertaining one on one dinner. Oh, no, no, I don't no, know I'm saying he's a given. Him. He's a given. I don't he's know a if given. I would have him at the table. With other <laughs> yeah. he, he, he is a yeah. given. Um, and, you know, I guess that there's so many uh, incredible folks who you, you could choose, but um, I, I obviously want to, you know, diversify it, uh, make sure we had some great women at the table. And I got to tell you, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably put Michelle Obama ahead of, uh, you know, of President Obama. So we're trading out the president. So we got <laughs> I, Marshall, I can swap her out. So, all right. Yeah, yeah. He got the invite and is now disinvited. Make, so let's put fair. Michelle Obama uh, in that place. I understand. It's a good call. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't want to necessarily do all you know, people in, in politics necessarily. So I'm trying to think about some artists who I, you know, really like uh, and admire. I mean, we, look, if we talk through, sure. you know, uh, you know what? Um, there again, there, uh, there's so many. This is a great question because it's so hard to, to figure out who you would have. Now again, my wife obviously is with me at the table, so I don't have to like a seat. I mean, you keep explaining her. the table, Justin. I, 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 well, I want to make sure that I'm I not mean, like not it. inviting her because yeah, right yeah. now, because particularly let's assume man, that the wife and the okay, because Michelle's there, and yeah, I, you know that, yeah. that's that's a problem for me yeah. at home, right? <laughs> if my wife is not there, so my wife uh, would she, She'd be like, I will have dinner with Michelle. We're going to Michelle Obama. Pick you up and the kids later. You do not. You are not welcome here. So, you know, and I'm thinking about some historical figures. You know what? Actually, John F. Kennedy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, he's someone who you know I think just led a just a fascinating life. He's actually a great leader. He himself was very young. Mm-hmm. I mean, people forget he was elected president. He was in his forties. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like President Obama, he was even younger than President Obama. I mean, and and the things that he saw and and, and experienced, and of course, I guess. This week, uh, we heard the news they're going to release the files on, yep. on the assassination. Yep, files are being released. You know, so that brings that back top of mind. But, I mean, just you know, comes from an incredible family. And the thing I think I loved about what I knew, you know, learned about him and, and the Kennedys were, they were incredibly, financially speaking, well off, incredibly privileged. But they dedicated themselves to serving other people. I mean, you look at him, you look at Bobby, um, you look at Teddy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so many other members of their family. But, you know, they didn't have to do. Uh, those things they certainly didn't have to put themselves in harm's way in the way that they ended up doing but um it's it's to me a powerful example um that you know this country is not just about you know how much money you accumulate and how much status you have i mean you know it's great that we can all achieve you know those things but it really is about service I mean, it's what i talked about the spiritual wealth and the spiritual debt and you know repaying that and you know, there's so many people who we owe uh for what they have done for us and, and i certainly wouldn't be here uh, but for, you know, so many giants you know, on whose shoulders I stand, including, you know, Governor Wilder and, and, and so many others of all races, all backgrounds. And, um, and now we have a chance, I think, in this generation to, you know, reclaim uh, that positivity, that forward thinking uh, message of inclusion and hope and opportunity. And, and I believe that we can do that. And I think it starts with this election on November the 7th. So we're nine days away, maybe less by the time you hear this. This is the candidate for lieutenant governor. Justin, thank you for your time. Mark, thank you for your time. Where can we, uh, on those social medias and those platforms, where can we find uh, everything Justin Fairfax? Yes. Uh, So please uh, feel free to go to our website, which is Fairfax4LG.com. And that's spelled out Fairfax, F-O-R-L-G. 
Justin.com. Uh, on Twitter, again, we have two accounts, uh, my personal, at Fairfax Justin. So you just invert my name. Uh, a lot of people go the, you know, the other way, but go at Fairfax Justin uh, or at Fairfax4LG, just like our website. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Instagram or the Gram, as you called it. Um, the Gram. I, I don't think we're on Snapchat. Uh, at least I'm not, and I, and I wouldn't know how to use it anyway. But it's outrageous. It's I, I, don't do it. Don't do it. No, that's right. That's okay. right. So, so we. Uh, IG, but, Instagram stories is enough. And I, do, that, <laughs> do that every once in a while. That's right. And uh, and again, shout out to you know, to my family, to my wife. Uh, Dr. Street of Fairfax, Dennis, who went to VCU School of Dentistry, our two kids, Cameron and Karis, who oh. uh, we had a commercial running. Uh, another. They saw the commercial. You got no, it? No, another. My, my three year old's name, Cameron. Cameron, I love it. It's a beautiful name. It's a beautiful name. A lot of Camerons these days. Cameron's a great name. A lot of people you know, would get on us because my wife and I, as I mentioned, went to Duke. And so they thought we had named our son, our firstborn, after oh, that's the basketball right. stadium. And yeah, I had to tell him, no, that's yeah. not a coincidence. No, I said, his, I said his, cool. his middle name is Indoor, but but that's a family oh, name. Oh, that's It goes crazy. back, yeah, so he... Uh, <laughs> that's, what's, that's really... I'm totally kidding. That's no, what's it's, up. <laughs> but yeah, we got a Cameron and a Karis, and, and they're they're great. Oh, man. Uh, and they're beautiful. Oh, one real random fact, just as we're down the street, and my staff gets on me because I always get excited about this. There's a post office, or what used to be a post office, yeah. literally about, what, a block away yeah. uh, on Broad Street. Uh, and, and it's now, it's been converted. I think it's a, a technology company of some yep. kind. Yep. But here's what I love about that post office. That's where I mailed all of my law school applications. Oh, very So a little, cool. little fun fact. Uh, I was here uh, that summer. My wife was here in dental school. And uh, I finished all my applications, and I went to that post office and mailed them off. And and that the rest is history. So. Man, that's crazy. So we had a Cameron, Cameron and the Cameron and Car- yeah. I read it for Cameron's. That's good. So your three year old is that your your oldest? No, your that's oldest? my that's my only one. It's my only one. That's so, outstanding. So we were. I was. I was rooting for Carmelo Anthony Cheatham. <laughs> and uh, but my wife said no. No. And, and, and now and he got you trained, wisely so, uh, went with uh, her. So. No, I was definitely. I was on the commit call. Carmelo Anthony Cheatham <laughs> wave. And so it didn't. And that would have been but, a wave. No. But uh, no, no. So. Uh, you know, a couple days to finish up, man. I wish yep. you the best of luck. God and, bless you, Mark. Thanks we'll for everything back. you're doing. Thanks for the All opportunity right, to be on, and uh, thanks for everything you're doing. In the Talk community. to you soon and see you on the trail. God bless you, man.